The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Friday, November 3rd. It's finally Friday. And today is One Health Day, World Jellyfish Day, National Jersey Day, National Housewives Day. And shout out to all the housewives out there. And of course, it couldn't be National Housewives Day without it being National Sandwich Day. That's right. Shout out to all the sandwich makers out there. And thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy QR code somewhere to find out where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. So shout out to everyone joining us from those audiences as well. And today I'm going to kick it off today. We're a little bit light. Rico is going to miss out on the show today, so we want to wish him the best, and we look forward to seeing him back next week. But, man, Dr. Mark and Dr. T, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this, and especially, to Stone Slade for his love of Delta 8. Because a Georgia Court of Appeals rules that Delta 8 and Delta 10 THC products are not controlled substances, you guys. The Georgia Court of Appeals ruled Thursday that products with Delta-8 THC and Delta-10 THC and other hemp-derived cannabinoids are not controlled substances, potentially paving the way for their legal sale in the state. The ruling comes after several police raids over the past few years on businesses that sell the products. It all started with a raid of the Elements Distribution Company back in February of 2022. In a quote, what happened was that the Gwinnett County DA and the local drug task force raided several small businesses in the area, including our clients who are hemp products and other product distributors, said trial attorney Tom Church with the Church Law Firm. Church presented the plaintiff who supplies vape stores with hemp products, including Delta-8 and Delta-10 THC products typically sold as gummies. In a quote, For the first time in Georgia history, cannabis became explicitly legal as long as it didn't have too much of Delta THC, which is the type of THC that makes users high, Church said. Church added he hopes this ruling sets a precedent for smaller cases throughout the state. And in a quote, he says, I think this is a powerful message for folks around Georgia that these are legal products. The legislature specifically legalized them in 2019 and that law enforcement has no authority to go after businesses that are legally selling these products, Church said. The Gwinnett County District Attorney's Office can decide whether to appeal the decision in the Georgia Supreme Court, and that's all that they have for this story. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Did this court mess up and create a big old snafu in this state? Yeah, yeah, Doctor Mark. I really think so. What's that? I, you know, you know my thoughts. You can joke all you want about how low I love Delta Eight, but yes. you know what I think. Delta Eight has no place, in my opinion. It never should have cut the line in front of real cannabis, and I think all they're doing is setting up cannabis to fail in Georgia because they know that those products, unregulated, have a chance to 
give cannabis a black eye. I yep. mean, for lack of a better term. Not not that that too, but also flourish in the market because there's no regulation on them and they're very easy to procure from a consumer yeah. standpoint. There's definitely no what about the kids happening there. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, and their their regulation that they just approved was for low THC oil, which is certainly beneficial for very sick kids mm-hmm. who have epilepsy and whatnot. And um, certainly, I, I I don't know about um, whether or not low THC oil is going to satisfy the entire patient needs. <clears throat> um, Low THC oil works in some cases, but I don't think it works in all cases universally. But what they're not doing is they're not snuffing out, yeah, this this you know alternative cannabinoid market, which goes under no regulation whatsoever. And so, yeah, Georgia is big Delta eight country, and um, you know it's interesting, Jason. If you look up the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act, it mentions. Um, Delta 8 THC right next to Delta 9 is being under code 7370 for tetrahydrocannabinols. So in the eyes of the DEA, Delta 9 and Delta 8 are controlled dangerous substances regardless of what these people down in Georgia think. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they're doing this again at risk because they know that the DEA isn't resourced adequately to go after this. So they'll just run this level of interference to protect their businesses that are operating in this space down there that that that, that is possible but I, I i would expect based off uh based off that information you just shared i would definitely expect this district attorney's office to uh file some type of appeal in regards to this uh judgment yeah, yeah it, it seems I'm, like they're misinformed somewhere right go can you elaborate a little bit more on that dr t yeah, so, you know, Delta-8 gets you high, I and mean, maybe not as effectively as Delta-9, but if that's their reason for accepting Delta-8, mm-hmm. um, they, they seem misinformed. They're, they're not talking to uh, to scientists. Uh, uh, and the real concern about Delta-8 is we just don't know. I mean, like uh, uh, like we said, that, that you know, Delta-9 has been used for thousands of years. Delta-8 is in trace amounts in the plant, but... It's not been used at the concentrations that it's being used at. And also when they're converting CBD to Delta-8, they're creating other compounds that we're not even testing for, uh, you know, or missing. And we don't know what they do to a person. So there's a lot of, uh, it doesn't seem like they know what's going on Mm -hmm. out there in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Let me just follow up on Dr. Dr. T's comment for a second. So... It is a big misconception that Delta-8 naturally occurs. It does not naturally occur. The Delta, the cannabis plant makes Delta-9 configured cannabinoids, and the trace amount that Dr. T is referring to is an artifact of the measurement that's made because Delta-9 is is not as thermodynamically stable as Delta-8. So if given the opportunity, it's easy to convert Delta nine into Delta eight in the in the HPLC vial that you're taking to sample that plant material. I have looked at over ten thousand COAs of flower material, and what I can tell you universally is Delta eight THC does not occur in flower material. You only see it in products where chemistry has been applied to it and like i said if given the opportunity delta 9 thc which is naturally occurring will isomerize over to delta 8 and you can't make the distinction of well was that delta 8 in the plant i don't believe it's in the plant because if it's in the plant we would see the occurrence of delta 8 thca right because the plant doesn't make THC, it makes THCA. There is no occurrence of Delta-8 THCA. There's only two occurrences in the literature, and one was from chemistry that we reported on back in 2018. So I can tell you universally, and the hemp hustlers have to stick to the notion that Delta-8 and Delta-9 are naturally occurring, right? Because then they could just say that, well, they're taking farm bill legal hemp and doing some magic process into it to somehow concentrate well, 
be delta eight or delta 10 thc so what we do now and i'll just finish up with this is all of the delta eight products out there all without exception are made by a chemical conversion of cbd in a in a vessel not extracted from a plant so in that process there are non-natural thc isomers that are generated and do i think that there's a big health problem with delta 8 thc itself the molecule I don't think it's any more dangerous than Delta-9 THC. Like Dr. T said, it's known that Delta-8 is not as active as Delta-9. What we don't know, what we don't know, and there's an experiment going on right now with all the Delta-8 products, is what about those other non-natural isomers that are formed in the chemical conversion of CBD into Delta-8? In fact, myself is collaborating with Dr. Alan Howlett at, at Wake Forest University. This is the scientist, neuropharmacologist that discovered the CB1 receptor. Okay, so she's sort of at the top of the field. And what we had found is that ISO Delta 8 THC, which is one of the byproducts that is in Delta 8 products today, it's, it's, it's fairly prevalent in all Delta 8 products because it's a byproduct of that chemical reaction that that compound elicits some of the same neuronal signals as um, as cannabinoids. But what we know is that it's not acting on the CB1 receptor. So she did some experiments to basically show that it's not acting on CB1, it's acting on another receptor. We just don't know what the dangerous and impactfulness on human health is of these non-natural compounds because unlike Delta-9 and cannabis extracts, we haven't been using these for a millennia. So I'll stop there, but just to know that, you know, Delta-8 right now is, you can look at Delta-8 as a degradation product like CBN. It's not made by the plant, but it's a degradation of products that are made by the plant. I'll stop there. So basically, you're saying that all boof weed is probably high in Delta-8 because it's all degraded down. <laughs> well, uh, Delta-8, again, is more thermodynamically stable than Delta-9. So if you see a high preponderance of Delta-8 in any product, that basically means that it's just undergone that isomerization process, which is accelerated by acid. And how all Delta-8 products are being made today is through a chemical conversion of CBD into Delta-8 THC. Bam. Any, any 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 other closing thoughts on this, Doctor T or Stone? Well, just you know, as Stone says, this is a uh, byproduct of of uh, over uh, regulation and you know stopping cannabis from being uh, just used as it's always been, um, and you know this is what happens when we just try to control too much. So mm -hmm. we've got to back off. Most definitely. Anything, Stone? How much you love Delta 8? Anything? You're on mute, buddy. He's on mute, maybe? You're on mute. You're on mute. Stone. Love that mute button. I was yeah. just going to say, Steve said it. Rico's not here. Follow the money, people. Follow the money. That's right. Mm -hmm. There's tons of money in this and all those snake oil peddlers of all this Delta 8. Dr. Sheldon, I'm sure that when they do this, they're going to say that they have some patented unique process that does all this that's so unique and proprietary to them that only they can do it but nonetheless we're going to go to a commercial we're going to be right back the control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation you can waste none of it and taste all of it the micro texture of the se pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Regulation over the plant ends at harvest. So what they do with the plant after that is in the FDA's bailiwick, not the USDA. Oh, that's an interesting There's nothing point. to do with the farm. 
fascinating Busted point. Oh man, and on and on that, we're gonna roll right in. <laughs> Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Dr. Talleyrand's been writing recommendations so long that he probably wrote your parents' and grandparents' recommendation. On top of that, he's also the founder of CESC and the creator and founder of Medican. That's right, it is none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks, Jason. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Uh, so my headline today comes from Marijuana Moment. Senate votes to allow VA doctors to recommend medical cannabis to veterans, similar to House Pass Version by Kyle Yeager. The Senate has approved a bill that prevents the VA from limiting or interfering with VA doctors who issue medical cannabis recommendations. This Senate bill sets the stage for a conference with the House which has approved its own bill with similar language. Senators approved the Military Construction, Veterans Affair, and Related Agencies measure, with Senator Jeff Merkley providing the cannabis amendment as part of a three-bill package on Wednesday in an 82-15 to 15 vote. The vote comes three months after the House passed its own version of the bill with a cannabis amendment by Representative Brian Mast and other members of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus. The exact language of the proposals is slightly different, meaning that they will need to be reconciled in a bipartisan conference committee or negotiated by House and Senate leaders as part of a final bill to be sent to the president. The language in the Senate bill prohibits funds to be used to limit or interfere with the ability of healthcare providers to provide recommendations, fill out forms, or take steps to comply with a state medical cannabis program. The House bill prohibits funds to be used for Veterans Health Directive, which prevents VA doctors from competing form, completing forms or registering patients in state medical cannabis programs. So a similar situation played out in 2016, only to have the issue completely stripped out of the final bill. Veterans face too many roadblocks in getting the care they need and deserve, that's why I have consistently led an effort to ensure VA doctors are able to discuss the full range of legal treatment options with their patients, Merkley told Marijuana Moment. Three months ago, bipartisan congressional lawmakers expressed deep concern over the current VA directive that continues to prohibit its doctors from making medical cannabis recommendations in states where cannabis is legal. Representative Earl Blumenauer, co-chair of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, sent a letter to VH Secretary Dennis McDonough and Department of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, blasting them for their misguided opposition to medical cannabis as a treatment option for PTSD. Many veterans already use cannabis for medical purposes and as a substitute for prescription drugs and their side effects. A recent survey of veterans who use cannabis report improved quality of life and reduced opiate use. Federal laws are difficult to pass. The endless discussions, debates, and political posturing are far removed from the real world. As this story reports, many veterans are already using cannabis without a doctor's recommendation or guidance. Currently, the VA prevents patients from accessing cannabis recommendations. Even worse, it prevents doctors from learning Oh, sorry. from learning about cannabis from their community of veterans. Even if the bill is approved, we are certain we are uncertain whether doctors will take the initiative. So will the bills be reconciled and forwarded to President Biden, or will our politicians in the VA maintain the don't ask, don't tell approach to cannabis use? What do you think? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with Hyatt 9 News. Man, Doctor T. I mean, I, I I hope this passes. I want I want our vets to have as much access as they they, they possibly can. They've done so much for this country, and I, I don't think I don't believe I believe that it's very like unconstitutional to disallow uh, veterans and really all Americans uh, the right and choice to to freely be able to choose things that that help them and aid them through life. Is this one of those things like? 100% on board with that. I believe I agree with you 100%. Jason, is this one of those things, though, are, are veterans willing to get on paper as medical cannabis patients? Is that because that strips away their gun ownership rights? Is that one of those things where they're, they'd rather get it not through the medical? 
You know that that, that that brings up a very interesting point, and so so I I would imagine that there would be a handful of veterans that aren't really necessarily too worried about that. Meanwhile, I'm sure that there's a lot of veterans that would definitely be worried about that. But I think I think that's kind of like a risk versus reward question, and it's going to vary based off the situations and circumstances that's going on in each one of these veterans' current lifestyles. A lot of the veterans I meet have a certain take a certain pride in in. Um, in what they've done for mm-hmm. our country 100%. and also um, uh, feel that they deserve to uh, use something that's helpful mm-hmm. to them. So they, they are almost standing up and, and leading our way to the legalization of cannabis. I, you know, having been in this biz for 25 years, I really feel the veterans have led the way um, more than the rest of the community. Yeah. Yeah, don't they definitely. don't they stand to lose their veterans benefits if they is positive for cannabis use? Well, that, that that's only in in states where there is no type of framework, uh, to my understanding, um, as long as uh, they that they are in a state where there is somewhat uh, somewhat tolerated, allowed, regulated or whatnot. That is not necessarily the the position that the VA takes as regards to blackballing individuals because of. Yeah, I think a lot of docs just look the other way or, or tell tell their patients, you know, VA docs tell their patients, well, you know, get a recommendation somewhere else. I can't do it for you, but I'm okay with you doing it. You know, don't ask, don't tell kind of, mm-hmm. kind of. Uh... Yes. Um, and, and just, I, I want to read this uh, comment from uh, Nick, Nick Bradley. He is a veteran. He threw this in the chat. He says, if it were a prescription, and the VA was paying for cannabis medicine as it as it does with opioids uh, that kill them. They just might, he says. And, hmm. and, 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 and I agree. I agree with Nick on that. I 100 percent agree with Nick on that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, I think we're pretty close. You know, I think because they have been leading the way, I, I imagine the VA will also lead the way in um understanding cannabis and you have and seeing a lot of faith in the works. va dr t <laughs> i have a lot of faith in the veterans they they really are, are pretty brave and so you know mm-hmm. bring on the politics yeah shout out but i i just you know if, if if history is any any telltale of what happens like i hope that that isn't the case because this already has gotten this far before and got stripped out at the last minute and, you know, with this administration, who, who knows exactly what possibly could happen and, you know, everything going on with the House and the Senate, you know, that, uh, all I hope is that, that we get some positive progress on this front overall. But time will tell and we will cover it all here at Hyatt 9 News for you. Absolutely. That and safer banking, right? The 100 percent, 100 percent safer banking. That's right. So what happens if Mike Johnson has to. Uh, approve this this bill because it says uh, House and Senate leaders yeah, I, or a special I committee. I don't think I don't think Mike Johnson is going to be on that prohibitionist mindset to where he's going to be blocking cannabis bills just because they have cannabis involvement in, in 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 them. I mean, he's from Louisiana. He has a very high veterans population. They do have medical cannabis in Louisiana, so so that is something that is happening within his state uh, and within his own constituency. Um, and at the same time, too, um, the fact that uh, that that Matt Gates was able to succeed in pulling uh, Congresswoman Nancy Mace to oust Ke- uh, uh, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I'm willing to bet that there's some political horse trading that went off to ensure that her her um, her bill uh, gets a standing floor vote vote on its own on its own merits. And I'm willing to bet that that was all part part of a of a grandioso deal in regards to getting her to come over um, to to vote to out, out Speaker McCarthy. That would be my my guess. That's an educated guess, and that's you know I, I'm running with that until proven otherwise. Well, we'll see if her bill comes up, right? It was. It will. I mean, her her bill was in the news today. It's not a story that we're covering today, but it was in the news talking about it was is introduced. But we already covered that already. Uh, earlier this week or last week or you know all these days they just mesh in together sometimes dr t it's like a big old pb and j sometimes but i'm going to go into my second story before we go to our halftime break because this is this is kind of interesting for you guys i think you guys this is out of nevada 
Cocaine, marijuana-induced mental breakdown may have contributed to naked Las Vegas police car theft, a report says. Days after a video of a man overpowering a Las Vegas police officer reached thousands online, the district attorney points to what's yet to be released of the crime on camera. The Las Vegas Valley has already seen a, a lot of Clyde Cabalusion since Halloween night, but not in court. Despite his first scheduled appearance on Thursday morning, the 29-year-old remains in the hospital after allegedly stealing a police vehicle and injuring two others. In a quote, the video only tells part of the story, Clark County District Attorney Steve Wolfson said in his downtown Las Vegas office Thursday morning. And just for the record, that is actually Wolfie's, you know, she's in the cannabis space, Wolfie, she's a comedian, and that is her dad. The arrest report obtained by 8 News Now said police first arrived at the intersection of Blue Diamond Road and Buffalo Drive after 11 p.m. Tuesday night, finding naked cablusion walking in the middle of the road trying to get hit by vehicles. The viral video showed the the following uh, battle with the officer at an intersection east of Blue Diamond and Cimarron Roads. After turning on his emergency lights to prevent vehicles from hitting cablusion, with uh, officer... W. Cardatogia is reported to have exited his F-150 after the 29-year-old approached the driver's side door. The fight continued when the officer directed Cabalusion to the front of the vehicle and in, 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 instead was punched several times. Despite being able to pull Cabalusion out of the driver's seat for, for, the, for the first time, he was unsuccessful the second time and uh, chose to disengage when the car began moving forward. The officer is reported to have suffered minor injuries during the altercation with Cabalusion, and the arrest report later cites officers who believe the suspect was driving up to 80 miles per hour and sometimes driving in the wrong tra traffic lanes for over six miles before colliding with an occupied vehicle at Hacienda Avenue and Rainbow Boulevard around 11.15 p.m. Cabalusion then allegedly fled the collision immediately on foot before two other officers <laughs> detained him roughly 100 yards north of the incident. In a quote, why was he running around in the intersection naked? I mean, everybody wants to know that, Wolfson said. And officers believe the 29-year-old was impaired due to his erratic movements, the fact he stole a marked uh, Las Vegas Metro Police Department police truck with its emergency lights activated and was completely naked fighting with officers. This was further confirmed when Cabalusian's uh, brother told officers he may have ingested cocaine and marijuana at an earlier party that induced a mental breakdown. This sounds like Hunter Biden all over again, you guys. Thursday morning, Cabalusian awoke to new charges of DUI resulting in substantially bodily harm, reckless driving resulting in death of substantial bodily harm, and a duty to stop at the scene of the accident. He already faced charges of robbery, driver dis disobeying peace officer, and endangering other persons, property, grand larceny of a vehicle, and battery of a protected person. In a quote, if you get into an accident, you have a duty to stop and either render aid plus provide information to the authorities, your driver's license registration, proof of insurance. He did not do that, Wolfson said. The two occupants inside the vehicle hit remain in the hospital Thursday. 43-year-old uh, Reach Abira and 34-year-old Ritz Gallimet. Alberta told 8 News reporter Ryan Matthew over the phone that he is suffering from a fractured neck, breathing problems, seatbelt lashes, stomach bruising, hip damage, constant dizziness and bodily feeling loss in his right side. He was sitting in the passenger seat uh, the same time the car uh, LVMPD says was hit. And Galmuth, the driver, had to be cut out of the seatbelt and be removed from the vehicle after he was later found with internal bleeding and arrest, the report said. And this goes on a little bit more there, and you can read the full story on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. But what do you guys think about this? They're trying to blame cocaine and weed for all of this guy's bad decision making. It's always cocaine and weed. No, I'm just kidding. I what like I agree with what Nick said. Like they're they're listing the drugs, but not not mentioning anything about obvious mental health issues with this with this individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely yeah think often mental health. Mental health. Oh, go ahead, Doctor T, please. Yeah, often you know people 
often people with mental health conditions will go to other substances to try to treat themselves. And so, um, yeah, this really looks like a mental a, a mental issue. So you don't think he got like some 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 really good cocaine and all of a sudden just felt like I'm going to steal a cop car today. That's not what no. happened, huh? Well, <laughs> cocaine that, is not what cocaine does. Cocaine is active in a different way in the brain than cannabinoids are, right? It 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 enhances what's called dopamine reuptake. Do, dopamine is the is the reward molecule that makes you feel good for doing stuff, right, Doctor T? Am I got that right? <laughs> you, you're right, but THC also enhances dopamine. All roads lead to dopamine. Uh, that's the yeah. All all roads to I, to I love to, dope uh, roads, you guys. I love dope substance. roads. <laughs> Co cocaine doesn't act on the endocannabinoid system, though, right? Does it? Not that I know of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, it doesn't act. It's two different substances, two different two different roads. It sounds like Doctor T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, either way, cocaine or cannabis, uh, there's something deeper happening here. It's not. It's not the substances. I, you gotta stop blaming substances. I, I, I totally agree. We do have to stay stop blaming substances and actually take accountability for actions that people do. And people need to take their own accountability for the actions that they do. And this is this is totally on him and was some pretty bad decision making in progress. If you want to know exactly what not to do, make sure you watch the video. But on that note, we're gonna go to a commercial and we're gonna be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla, and if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport, or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke, because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Also, too. We'll appreciate it. YouTube appreciates it, and you as well will appreciate it once you do it. So make sure you hit that like button. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, make sure you subscribe to the channel and all of the stories that we cover on the news today and every day you can read on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Yeah, we got oh, yes. Coming up next, he is a doctor. He is out in the great state of Vermont where it is freezing, freezing cold. They just had their first drift of snow, and it's gorgeous with the fall leaves out there. It is none other than the man himself, Dr. Mark Sheldon. Did I get it right this time? You got it right. All right, there we go. Sounds good, Jason. So you're not going to introduce the audience to snowliage. No, 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 no. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you deal with all that. The snowliage. So we we got uh, our first snowstorm, and yeah, when the peaks get covered, uh, the upper higher elevations get covered, and the lower elevations still have colors uh, on the leaves on the trees. Then we call that snowliage. So I learned something today. I love that. Okay, today my story comes out of the great state of Virginia. And has to do with our favorite THC isomer, Delta-8. So the title of the article it comes from uh, The Hemp Today. And it's the Virginia judge calls Delta-8 a credible threat in setback ruling against hemp stakeholders. So just as Georgia says it's okay to make Delta-8, here's another state also in the Confederacy. Right below the bagel biscuit line, 
Um, uh, so uh, the uh, story reads as such. Uh, Virginia hemp stakeholders suffered a setback in their efforts to halt enforcement of state rules that ban Delta 8 THC. In opinion this week, a federal judge turned back a requested injunction in an industry lawsuit that aimed to block a state law passed earlier this year, leaving rules in effect that carry stiff fines for businesses that continue to sell Delta 8 and any other products that exceeds the total limits for natural and synthetic forms of THC. The rule sets strict limits on the total THC in hemp food products such as gummies and other candies. U.S. District Judge Leonie M. Brinkema uh, ruled uh, that the state had not overstepped its authority to regulate hemp in a way that conflicted with federal law nor interfered with interstate commerce. The state demonstrated that Delta 8 THC is a credible threat to the Virginia population and that there should be strong public interest in protecting the citizens of the Commonwealth from substances like Delta 8, including a vulnerable po population such as children from hospitalizations and uh, poisoning, Brinkema said. The decision to advance that public interest was done by the elected policymakers of Virginia and this court must defer to those political and social welfare judgments, she added, signaling the hemp interests in the state are facing an uphill battle in their fight against the new state law. Synthetic THC. Delta-8 is a synthetic compound based from hemp-based CBD. Oh, I'm surprised that someone in the lay press has actually got that right for the first time. That's very remarkable. Uh, by contrast, Delta-9 THC, which comes from marijuana plants, is the natural derivative. Delta-8 has proven a popular alternative to marijuana in Virginia and across the U.S. The court's initial opinion issued Monday denied a request by three parties who joined in the lawsuit against the state. Northern Virginia Hemp uh, and Agriculture and Franny's Pharmacy spelt with an F, uh, both hemp sellers and Rose Lane, a private citizen who claims she has been blocked from acquiring Delta-8 THC to ease her arthritis. The lawsuit remains under consideration by the court, but the new rules remain in place. The Virginia law targeted by the hemp industry plaintiffs initially or initiated a crackdown on edibles and other products containing Delta-8, which has become widely available at smoke shops and other retail outlets across Virginia and many other states. Plaintiffs argued that Virginia's uh, Virginia overruled provisions in the 2018 Farm Bill, which legalized hemp and all downstream products. You know, if you could turn hemp into ricin poison, or you could turn hemp into some of the most noxious compounds known to man. You can't, but if you could, would those be legal too? It's interesting to consider that. Um, but the historic measure failed to take into account the possibility that, that producers might make psychoactive products from hemp-derived CBD, which is possible in the lab. Brinkema concluded that the federal hemp laws do not prevent states from regulating or restricting some hemp products. If Congress chooses to make a substance here, industrial hemp, as defined by its Delta 9 THC level, legal at the federal level with respect to the Controlled Substances Act, that means that Congress has mandated that the substance must be legal in every state, Brinkham wrote. Nor does it mean that Congress has mandated that any product simply produced from industrial hemp as one ingredient or derivative must be legalized in every state le uh, legislature. Stakeholders had 
also said that the restrictions on food in the bill threaten the market for full spectrum CBD products that have helped epileptic children as they uh, criticized a provision to set that the total THC barrier for food uh, at a ratio of CBD to THC as 25 to one. So 25 to one represents a natural hemp extract. But when you start getting more like four to one, five to one, or some of these two to ones, this is no longer natural. This has been somehow chemically altered. Uh, the absence of clarity uh, from the federal government and regulators, uh, in, uh, many states are grappling with the Delta-8 THC issue. Court rulings this year in Maryland, Arkansas, and Texas put temporary protection in place for Delta-8 producers. While those states for now have shielded Delta-8 under a strict legal interpretation that highlights the conflict between state and federal hemp laws, changes expected at the federal level could reverse that perhaps by the end of the year. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration had indicated that it intends to change the federal drug control laws to ban highly concentrated synthetic THC, such as Delta-8. Also, uh, in the 2023 Farm Bill now being debated, it is likely to draw uh, a, narrow, a more narrow definition of hemp that excludes such products. The measure is expected to be passed by the end of the year. A group of cannabis regulators from several states in August sent a letter to Congress suggesting a national framework be established for all hemp-based cannabinoids, including CBD, and any downstream products made from CBD, such as Delta-8, suggesting a comprehensive regulatory approach that accounts for all cannabinoid products is urgently needed. Consumers for uh, or have for years been at the mercy of a dodgy CBD and Delta-8 THC makers who have done some serious damage to hemp's reputation overall, causing food and fiber markets to also hit the skids. The synthetic compound Delta-8 emerged in the wake of the CBD boom or bust that followed the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill. The downturn left CBD producers looking for an outlet for their pent-up supplies. They found that among Delta-8 producers working in the semi-gray market based on the loophole in the federal law, they had customers. Delta-8, a kind of hemp product that the Farm Bill never intended, is widely available at common retail outlets in packaging that mimics leading brands of candy and other treats. Products containing hemp synthesized intoxicants present a health and safety risk to consumers because they're not regulated with packaging slash labeling and testing requirements like state legal adult use uh, uh, and medical marijuana are. Uh, Seth Goldberg, a cannabis law specialist in at the Philadelphia-based uh, Dwayne Morris Law Firm concluded in analysis that he wrote of the Virginia situation in his company's blog. In defining hemp as it did in the passing of the 2018 Farm Bill, Congress did not intend to legalize the host of intoxicating cannabinoids derived from hemp while maintaining the prohibition against Delta-9 THC in marijuana, Goldberg said. The new Virginia law also transferred oversight and registration to operate retail outlets and packaging, labeling, and testing requirements to the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services to the Virginia Cannabis Control Authority and provide state money to teams of inspectors to monitor uh, the production of these cannabis products being sold in Virginia. Possession and home cultivation of marijuana became legal in Virginia in 2021, but marijuana sales in the state are strictly restricted to licensed medical dispensaries. So that's my story for today. Uh, again, I think it's this back and forth between states who are looking to protect the Delta-8 uh, hemp processing producers and 
also the regulations that are put in place to protect the children and protect the other vulnerable populations in those states that have access to these hemp-derived psychoactive cannabinoids. That's my story today from the story, the state of Vermont, home of snowliage. I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this. Again, Dr. Mark from Vermont. Dr. Mark. I mean, it, it sounds like Virginia like got, got it kind of right on this, wouldn't you say? Well, I, I think this this is something that they have to address at the federal level. And I think that it, it has been addressed in, in the following way. So when you test hemp plants and hemp plants have lower than 0.3% THC, mm-hmm. that plant is now deemed as hemp and the USDA washes their hands and they say, ah, we let some farmers grow hemp. At harvest, there is no more regulatory authority by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. When you harvest a food crop, the food that we eat, corn, soybeans, wheat and all that kind of stuff. Well, that then falls into the Food and Drug Administration's regulatory bailiwick. Yeah, I like to use that word. It's basically their territory now. And the FDA has basically dropped the ball on what happens to industrial hemp after that harvesting. If they really want to put restrictions on what you can do with CBD isolate or what you can do with industrial hemp, don't look to the farm bill and the USDA, we have to look to the Food and Drug Administration because that stuff has already been classified as hemp. Now what the hemp producers do with it and what CBD producers and people who are making Delta-8, that regulatory has to be under the Food, Drug and Cosmetics Act, which is one of the things that the Food and Drug Administration uh, enforces. Now, it's, it is against the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act to put the active ingredient of an FDA-approved drug into food, feed, or cosmetics. Correct. So the whole CBD industry that's making tinctures, sodas, seltzers, uh, things that you could put on your skin like topicals, they're basically in violation yep. of the FD&C Act. I say this so, all the time. Yeah, and and you're totally right. So what they needed to do, what they is the FDA needed to do is they needed to make an exception for CBD to the FD&C Act. I think they've done the same thing for caffeine. That's why caffeine is an uh, active ingredient that's improved in some weight loss drugs and whatnot, but there's still uh, caffeine in Coca-Cola and caffeine in things like Mountain Dew and so caffeine, I think, was grandfathered in because I think this regulation was put into place after people were already using caffeine as an ingredient. But I think a similar thing has to happen to CBD because according to the law now, the only people who are allowed to dispense CBD are BW or Jazz Pharmaceuticals who got the FDA approval and you should be buying all your CBD through a prescription at Walgreens and not going down to some local uh, shop to buy tinctures and gummies and, you know, yeah, you should, and you should be get, go, going and getting a prescription for Epidiolex and just getting it delivered to you right. like that. That's what they want. But Jason, so the, the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act, which we all hate as part of the Nixon, the legacy of the yep. Nixon administration and their knee-jerk reaction to ripping up the report that said that cannabis should be descheduled and removed from the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act. Nixon and the Nixon administration put it in as a Schedule One substance. We all know, you know, that cannabis has multiple medical uses. So... The Schedule One listing of cannabis flies in the face of the huge list of medical applications that cannabis has. In fact, one of those applications is the neuroprotective properties of cannabis, right? Which was actually a patent that was held by the United States government. Yep. So when yep. they when they smuggled a bunch of cannabinoids back from Mishulam's lab in the 70s back to the bethesda lab the the group there at the nih did all kinds of interesting research on it and they actually patented the neuroprotective properties of cannabis so here's one 
area of the government saying, and, and the U.S. Patent and Trade Organization, they just look at basically the claims in the patent. And if you could back up the claims with data that proves your claims, they don't give a shit about Schedule 1, Schedule 2. They don't care what the compound looks like. If you could demonstrate in your patent, and the folks at the NIH demonstrated that it had neuroprotective properties. So how could the government be saying that we, we're going to grant this patent on neuroprotective properties to cannabinoids, but the DEA still maintains that there's no medical use? Mm -hmm. It's bullshit. So that needs to come unwound. But the other thing you have to realize is that they realized, I think, that Delta-8 was a psychoactive cannabinoid, and Delta-8 is mentioned by name in the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act. So as long as tetrahydrocannabinols, code 7370, are part of the schedule uh, listing, you know, they need to basically remove it from the schedule. It's not dangerous, so it doesn't need to be controlled. So once they remove cannabis and they remove THC from the schedules, yeah, then it, it can be looked at, I guess, as a psychoactive substance that should be regulated on the same list as, I don't know, tobacco and alcohol. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree well, more with all of that, Dr. Mark. And, 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 and well, any thoughts on that, Dr. T? Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of regulating any substance. You know, I'm a fan of education. We can't stop people from taking what they're going to take. We can try to stop. Prohibition is a, is a problematic uh, idea, you know, and it puts us, gets us into this rabbit hole of what should you take and what shouldn't you take. The, the role of the government is to educate. Even if it's a poison, somebody wants to sell a poison, as long as you know to look at the package or, or, um, or understand what's in there and decide, hey, I'm not going to take that substance because it's dangerous. Um, you know, but to say you can't put it out there is just, it goes down a rabbit hole. I mean, I'm, I'm well, could, chasing. I, couldn't you, I, I, I would, ma I would maintain that ending cannabis prohibition will end this market for recreational synthetics period. Yeah. If people have unfettered access to cannabis and it's good, high quality cannabis, they won't need Delta eight. They won't need HHC. They won't need all these other things. So I think cannabis prohibition is is partially responsible is. for this recreational synthetic market. That's true because yeah. pe pe people want things and and they're going to get what they can access based off based off their geographical location. That that is 100% true. 100% true. Well, we got to keep this keep this train moving. We're going to move right on wait, in. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, go ahead. Wait, wait. before oh. we leave. Yeah. I just want to say listening to all this, I think I've decided that I, I like Delta 8. I like it because what <laughs> to point out the hypocrisy of these lawmakers especially in states like texas where they're where we have we don't have we can't smoke cannabis here we can't do any of that but delta eight's okay we can't smoke cannabis because it's such a bad thing but delta eights it's just i love the hypocrisy i love delta eight now thank you it's a perfect tool <laughs> i am so glad that we have that soundbite of you saying that you love delta eight stone slade <laughs> Don't take it out of context. Don't, don't take it out of context. Oh, man, that is right. That leads us right on into Mr. Stone Slade. He is in the great state of Texas. He was just here with us over the Halloween carnival at the West Hollywood Emerald Village event. The very first time a city-sponsored event ever allowed for cannabis to be a part of it with legal sales and legal consumption. And you can check it all out on our YouTube video. We live stream for two hours. Stone Slate is in there dressed up as a weed man superhero or something like that. I don't know. I'll let him tell you what he was. But nonetheless, it is the man from Austin, Mr. Stone Slade. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great time was had, man. Anybody that made it out there knows what you're talking about. And zero bad things happened, no complaints, no anything. What an awesome way for the cannabis community to come out and show out. And hopefully we'll see many, many more of those. Today, coming to you from the High at Nine News podcast, where we stay elevated on the latest in cannabis news, we're going to cast our eyes on Ohio, a state poised at a pivotal moment in American cannabis reform narrative, because in Ohio, winds of change could be blowing a fresh set of cannabis across, reform across the nation. 
You've probably heard the saying, as Ohio goes, so goes the nation, reflecting the state's historical status as a political bellwether. This November, Ohio isn't just a gauge for political tides, but also a crucial indicator for the future of cannabis legalization in the United States. On November 7th, 2023, Ohioans will cast their votes on issue two, a measure that if passed would catapult Ohio into history as the 24th state to legalize adult use cannabis. What's more, a yes on issue two would tip the scales to where now more than half of the U.S. population, precisely 52.7%, would reside in states where cannabis is legal, up from 49.2%. Now, reflecting on the past, Ohio's initial foray into legalizing adult-use cannabis was November 2015. It saw a resounding defeat, with nearly two-thirds of voters rejecting the, ma the measure. Major newspapers like the Cleveland Plain Dealer and the Cincinnati Inquirer lambasted the proposal for offering licenses rights, licensing rights to a small cohort of investors, which included high-profile names like Ben Kovler of Green Thumb Industries, the famed boy band singer Nick Lachey, and basketball legend Oscar Robinson. Robertson. Whew. However, the tides have changed since then. In 2023, Ohio approaches the, the ballot with a promising wave of favorable polling and the foundation of an established medical cannabis market that's currently experiencing an oversupply. If issue two receives a green light from the voters, Ohio will be the 15th state to enact adult use legalization through the ballot box, with the remaining nine achieving this through legislative action. Ohio's decision is particularly noteworthy as it would mark the first time that a purple state, often a mix of both Republican and Democratic support in recent presidential elections, has voted affirmatively for adult use cannabis legalization. Despite leaning red in recent times, Ohio could break the mold that has seen other traditional red states like Alaska, Arizona, Montana, and Missouri successfully pass similar measures, while others like Arkansas, South Dakota, and North Dakota fell short. It's fascinating to note that Ohio was among the pioneers in cannabis decriminalization, having taken that step in 1975, trailing only behind Oregon, yet in the spirit towards comprehensive adult use reform, Ohio has lagged, and the question lingers, will this change this uh, coming Tuesday? For those with a keen interest in the economic and legislative nuances of cannabis legalization, I encourage you to delve into the original article where I got this information from. It, it dives deep into the 23 other states, uh, and, and how they, the intricate ways that they tax cannabis. Ohio's issue too, if approved, comes with a proposed 10% excise tax, tax rate at retail, which according to projections from the Ohio State University's Drug Enforcement and Policy, Policy Center could generate a hefty 276 million to 403 million in annual tax revenue by the fifth year of operations. So as November 7th approaches, all eyes are on Ohio, not just for its political leanings, but for its potential to be a turning point in the national narrative of cannabis reform. Stay tuned, stay high-minded, and we'll continue to follow this developing story. I'm Stone Slade for the High Nine News. Stone, I think we can all agree that all the taxes in cannabis in every single marketplace are way, way, way too high. Way too high. Way too high. Regardless of what kind of form of legalization you have in your state or just medical or absolutely nothing, just maybe possibly THCA flower or nothing like that. I'm surprised that didn't get any get thrown into your story too, uh, Dr. Mark. But nonetheless, I guess we're going to cover some THCA on another day. Any. Anything so is Ohio going to pass this thing in on November? What do you I, guys think? It, it's actually on Tuesday, Dr. T. They vote on this November 7th. On they, Tuesday. Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. On Tuesday, they vote for they this. So you I, do. I think they will. Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 what do I know? <laughs> uh, well, if you read the article, maybe a lot, huh? Uh, uh, I'm, su I'm surprised it didn't sound like the environment was favorable for it, but maybe it's changing i mean i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure i i'm gonna remain hopefully optimistic uh with this <clears throat> but uh but 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 we will see and at the same time too you know i mean the first time uh we went for uh legalization in cannabis that didn't that that didn't pass so uh, i'm not you know i think i think it'll be no matter no matter what happens there'll be i'm sure that there'll be a strong uh turnout to where there will be enough data collected to where they can mobilize even harder the next time if unsuccessful this time. 
So right, and they've got two big things going for them: is the the successful medical market that that's now in place that wasn't in place in 2015 when they got knocked down, yep. and they got rid of the potential you know under the table play. So yep. we'll see what happens. I, I opti- I'm optimistic. All right, all right. Well, and they've taken they've taken multi-state brands in there. I know Juana's in in Ohio, and people love gummies. And um, yeah, I think the success of their medical program has won a lot of people over from the earlier days when they were, oh, well, what about the children? Yep, you know? that 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 part is true. That 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 part is very true on the on the overall public perception of cannabis in Ohio. That is that is without a doubt. But I have one last final story for you, and I'm going to go through this pretty fast. There's some some sad news, but let's hear what you guys have to say. The Emerald Cup cancels the 2023 Harvest Ball for cannabis cultivators. The Emerald Cup's marquee winter event that celebrates small craft cannabis farmers in Northern California and connects them with prospective buyers across the state is being canceled this year according to sources familiar with the situation the harvest ball festival which has drawn more than 13,000 attendees to the sonoma county fairgrounds the past few years will forego this year's installment as event organizers focus efforts on resources and the emerald cup's 20th anniversary event in the san francisco bay area in the spring of 2024 sources told mj biz daily harvest ball organizers hadn't announced specific dates for this year's event and emerald cup officials declined to comment on the story and the harvest ball held in december in santa rosa the past two years marks the start of the emerald cup competition the event one of the oldest and most established award shows and B2B gatherings in the cannabis industry highlights organic outdoor grown and indoor grown flower and major sponsors have included. Uh, we're not going to read all of their names, but the Harvest Ball event and Emerald Cup were established by Tim Blake, an industry of vanguard and key player in the rise of the Emerald Triangle, long considered the most fertile cannabis producing region in the world. His daughter, Taylor, is the associate producer and the Harvest Ball cancer is another sting for Northern California's cadre of small legacy farmers who have forced numerous challenges in the past years with the world's largest marketplace, including fierce competition from unlicensed growers, wildfires, depressed wholesale prices, and a lack of retail outlets. Nearly six years after California launched its adult use sales, 61% of cities and counties still ban marijuana retail businesses, according to state data. In Mendocino County, farmers and other cannabis operators have been exiting the industry in mass for years, and in 2020, more than 1,300 cannabis businesses were based in Mendocino County. Today, fewer than 850 are operational, according to Michael Katz, executive director of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. There's been such a long history of challenges and financial difficulty that it's too little too late for a lot of people, he said. Foregoing the harvest ball this year could also be viewed as another sign of the times, particularly in California's cannabis struggling industry. Capital and cash flow has dried up the vast majority of state operators, limiting expenditures on sponsorships, marketing and booth exhibits at trade shows and other industry events, according to insiders. Northern California, despite its long history of producing quality cannabis, also has far fewer brands and industry resources than do counterparts in Southern California, especially Los Angeles, which has developed its own ecosystem of industry events and showcases primarily in West L.A. and West Hollywood. They must have been talking about Halloween 2023 in this. And in a final quote, says, I have nothing but love for Tim and Taylor, and I'm confident that whatever plans they are making, they're doing so with the community in mind, said Katz, who has worked with the event organizers to showcase small cannabis farms in the region. And he closes on one final quote. He says, I certainly hope conditions for all of us improve. I think we can, everyone in the industry can agree with that quote. And this is not a big surprise to me in regards to, um, I had heard some, some rumblings about this in the past. And the reality of it is that it's really difficult to do an event this late in the year where you have the weather up there in Santa Rosa is always rains during this event, and and that always turns down the turnout as well as, as sponsorship interest and whatnot. So this doesn't surprise me, and I can't wait for the 20th anniversary of the Emerald, Co- 20, uh, Emer- Emerald Cup because that is going to be one 
hell of a ball. You guys with me? You guys there? Yeah, we're here. Nick oh. Bradley says the Harvest Ball was a joke. Anyway, I've never been. Harvest Ball was cool. It's a cool event. It's just cold, man. It's just cold. And it always, it, for some reason, it always seems to rain on that weekend that they have it on uh, for, the, for the past few years. And so I, I think this is a smart play on the Emerald Cup's part to, you know, hold back the resources, make for a better 20th anniversary um, and, and, and just keep, keep the flow flowing. But I, I, I do think that it is, it is sad for the community up there, um, overall, because I know this is something that, that was such an annual thing for so many years. I mean, 19 years, this has been going on. So. Well, I heard good news from the community. People are saying they're selling everything this year or over 90% of their products are being sold. So there's sort of a, 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 a positive feeling out up and up north these right. days. Well, shout out to those 850 operators that are still operating up there then. Selling out. Maybe that's Selling just out. because of the trap market, though, Dr. T, too. You never know. Well, wherever you can get your product Wherever you sold, can make right? a buck, right? <laughs> wherever you can make a buck, they know that it's clean medicine for them and all of that good stuff. Any, any thoughts on this, Stone Slade? Are you going to come out for the Emerald Cup? 2024 man that is on my i i don't know i'd like to i'd love to i i need to make it happen yeah, you're gonna hit the high road yet, huh? I mean, it's one of those events it's like it's always like god damn i want to be there so mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll see all right all right stone slate we'll we'll make sure to help you and figure something out to get you over there awesome you guys well any, any closing words you guys any, either of the doctors all right. Have a great weekend. Have, all right. Well, Have a on, great weekend. All right. And on that, we're going to wrap this show up. Thank you all so much for tuning in on the regular and learning what is the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Big thank you to all of our sponsors and you at home listening and tuning in daily on the regular. We truly appreciate you spending all of your time with us while we do this. And thank you all for tuning in to America's number one daily cannabis news show. Hi and nine news. Oh, 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 oh,